Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Welcome to the MVP cast from me, Mark Woods. Thank you so much again for joining us. We are sponsored by Team Sports, the new AI multi-sport app that provides professional tools at an affordable price to every team, helping players improve their performance and enhance their health and well-being. Find out more by visiting www.teamsports.pro, that's sports with a Z, or download the app on your iPhone or Android. Now, our guest this time, I hope she won't mind me calling her this, is a living legend of women's basketball in the UK. She was the first player to score a thousand points in the WBBL. And here's just a brief list. Eight league championships, seven national cup titles, game winners, GB caps. We could go on forever, Helen Naylor. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, Back in Sheffield, must be nice to be back in the old routine. It's so nice. It just feels like being home again. <laughs> it's great to see the Hatters back in the league this year. Um, we'll talk about that, but I wanted to start with something much more important than, than basketball. And there was a, there's a great photo taken by our, our, our mutual good friend, Mansur Ahmed, recently of you, Joe Leedham, the two, I don't know if you can call them baby girls, but you know, young, one baby, one young girl um, yeah. together. Yeah, here's, here's the two of you now, that, that transition from, you know, athlete to being mothers as well and you're just over i think 15 months or, or 16 months in, into this process with um with your your young daughter how has that been um let's start with physically uh, how was that process of you know, getting back I and mean, you came back not that long after the birth to play for mm-hmm. manchester last year but you know, describe the process from going through pregnancy to to afterwards and restarting basketball again yeah um i think um i played for sheffield when i fell pregnant so it was the the covid season where it ended early um and i was pretty much pregnant from like september so very early on in the season um and i remember that being really really difficult because obviously i i didn't want to tell anybody at that stage um (laughs) including sort of coaches my sister was playing with me at sheffield and she knew but I just remember like practices being in the first three months being so hard, so difficult, like how tired you feel and just the sickness feeling. It was, I, I just remember it like it was yesterday. It was really, really difficult. Um, so I was a little bit um, happy when I could tell Vanessa so that she understood why I was looking a little bit sluggish and, um, you know, maybe not looking how I normally do. So I played until about the January. I think I played in, the, well, I played a couple of minutes in the January in the, the semi-final that we played in. Um, so about four and a half, five months pregnant, I, I finished. And then obviously the, the season ended in March. Um, and then obviously I had um, my, my baby girl in June in the middle of a, a pandemic, which <laughs> was hard in itself. Um, and then I hadn't really thought too much about playing I was undecided what I was going to do if I wanted to play again or sort of when I wanted to play again um and then Vanessa called me I don't know about six weeks after giving birth I think um and said that we were obviously going to enter the league again and uh, we had a new sponsor um and sort of said she wanted me to come back so I said yeah I'd love to um but I'm not sure like I'd had a, a cesarean so 
obviously the recovery is is a bit longer with with that um so i was sort of said i'll, I'll see how i am by pre-season i can't even move at the minute um so we just sort of went from there and then sort of august september time came around i think i went to my first practice about 11 weeks after giving birth um and at that point it was still very up in the air um whether we were gonna have a team we were gonna have one we weren't gonna have one and then obviously it, it ended up that we didn't have one um but i think it, it's it's really hard to explain obviously everybody knows how your your body changes when you you know have a baby and um physically and then mentally as well obviously having a newborn being a single mom I was just so tired all the time um so going back I remember my first practice back and it was just like oh my gosh this is this is really difficult um but sort of over I think it was September October we carried on practicing um and I sort of got a little bit fitter and got back into the swing of things um and then went over to Manchester to actually just went over to practice once a week I just think can I just come over to, to practice Sheffield aren't going to have a team um not going to have a division two team now so I just went over to practice and then got obviously got roped into playing um but in terms of in terms of coming back you know it wasn't it, it I just kind of fell into it. it wasn't something that I was planning to do so soon I think um and I think the hardest thing was because I did go back so soon and, you know, Manchester were really great with this. I wasn't probably not, well, I'm still not um, in, you know, I'd not had taken that time to get back to full fitness or um, I didn't have the time to work on my fitness and get in a position where I thought, right, I can play, you know, a, a good standard of basketball again, um, how I want to play, you know, how I remember myself playing. Um, I wasn't at that level when I went back to, to Manchester so I just tried to help in any way that I could and um, obviously get better as the season went went on looking to playing again at Sheffield this year so um, yeah it, it massively changes you it changes your mindset and how you approach life and um, you know basketball used to be one of my main focuses along with work and obviously I've got a, a very different main focus now so. One thing that struck me as interesting there that you said about you know, when you got pregnant that you kept it a secret or well from the team. I mean, you would expect it's a tight environment. You know, there's lots of players in NASA you've known for years and years and mm-hmm. years. Why the reluctance just to blab it and tell everyone straight away? Um, I think it's just because it, it was so early on. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people don't really share the news, do they, until they've had that first scan and it's, it's sort of 12 weeks in. I think I did tell them before that, um, or I told Vanessa a little bit before that. I think I told her around 10 weeks um, and I told um, one, one of the other players on the team, but I didn't tell the actual team until after I'd had my first scan. Um, I don't know, I think looking back, whether that was the right thing to do or not, but it just it just felt like the right thing at the time. And... Um, yeah, just until you sort of have that first scan and know everything's okay. Um, I think a lot of people don't don't really share the news until then. How did you make the decision? Because obviously basketball's a physical game, and you can get you can get bumped, and that's that's not what you want when you're carrying a baby. How, what was your process for that timeline for saying right? This is the point where I need to stop. I need to sit, yeah. step aside from this. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd spoken to um, my midwives and sort of healthcare professionals and the, the general advice when you're pregnant is that um, 
as long as you're not starting something new and it's something that your body's used to doing. So obviously I played basketball for a long time. My body was used to that. Um, that it's sort of okay to continue up to, they say, three, four months. Um, obviously I played slightly longer than that. And probably the reason that I played slightly longer than that was because of the team situation at the time. Um, just as I was going to finish playing, um, one of our Americans um, got sent home. Um, and we got another player in, Chantelle Presley, but she didn't come until a little bit after that. Um, so I sort of made the decision that I'd play a little bit longer to, to try and help the team, basically, because I didn't feel good at all. Um, you know, my first three months of pregnancy were, were horrible. I felt really sick all the time. I felt I've never felt tiredness like it. And obviously to them play basketball on top of that was really hard. But I think I was just thinking of the team and trying to, and probably in hindsight, I probably didn't actually help the team that much. You know, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't great when I look at, oh God, I think I was like averaging like one point a game or something, but obviously trying to help in other areas and just having numbers. Um, I think Naomi was still injured at that point. So I think I felt guilty a little bit, you know, to, to let the team down. Now, I remember when I told Vanessa, I cried and she was like, why are you crying? It's amazing. And I was like, <laughs> because I've signed up and I've committed to a season and, you know, I feel like in a way I'm, I'm letting people down, my team down, because, you know, I'm not going to see that, that season through. But um, obviously I was very emotional at that time. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but no, obviously it was all fine. Did you find that, you know, once you started, you know, presumably you didn't, you know, stop trying to keep fit, et cetera, but you know, how did, you know, a lot of athletes, particularly in, in track and field, I, I, I see quite a lot, you know, I train up almost to the birth and keep things taking over in different ways. I mean, did you did you have that desire to to try and keep the fitness and try and sort of maintain your athleticism as as long as possible, even if you weren't playing? Um yes and no. I think before COVID hit I was um still going to practice and I'd still do like um some exercises and stuff on the sideline and we've got like a little gym at All Saints um where we can go in there. So I was I was still going in there um and then sort of then obviously when covid hit everybody was at home i was just trying to do things at home but trying to maintain your basketball fitness or i spoke to joe a lot about this it is very different to you know trying to do a few home workouts um so looking back i think i probably could have done more um and i did i did some and i did what my body would allow me at the time i think as thing you know time went on i felt I had a lot of aches and pains and um, it was just easier not to not to do it. But I probably worked out until about seven months, I'd say. And then the last two months, I just went for lots of long walks and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's um, it's something that's really hard to maintain that level of fitness. Um, but it's um, something that I probably could have done better at as well, I think, in hindsight. I mean, you mentioned obviously being a single mum and, you know, giving birth in the, the middle of lockdown where, you know, access is incredibly limited, you know, you know, no one was allowed to see anyone, you know, it was all of that. What was, what was that experience like for you? Year one must have been incredibly challenging. Yeah, it was really, really hard. I think, um, obviously, the first lockdown, I can't remember when it was, when we went into it, it wasn't too long after March, was it? Um, it was the day the after the WBBL trophy final. I remember that. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> it was in March, wasn't it? Towards yes. the end of March. Um, it was really hard, obviously, not being able to see anybody. And so we had like family, as everybody did, family FaceTimes and Zoom. And um, the, some of the Hatters girls, Steph Gandhi, had set up like weekly bingo sessions. So 
I was still keeping in contact with everybody like that, but obviously, um, you know, when I would I would go out for walks and sort of socially distant walk with my mum, she was probably the only person I saw. Um, but it was really isolating, I think, especially when you're pregnant. Um, you're going through so many different emotions, your body's changing, everything's just changing around you. And I think um, to do that in the middle of a pandemic is, is really, really difficult. And um, I didn't know what the birth, was going to look like because obviously between March and when I gave birth in June you weren't even allowed to take um, a birthing partner with you so nobody was allowed to come in while you gave birth so luckily um, I think it was a, a week or two before I gave birth they changed that to you could have one birthing partner um, and somebody could go with you but they could only stay um, obviously up until the baby was born and then they had to leave um so really really difficult time but I mean it's it just the situation that we're in and I had to obviously deal with that and um I think a lot of family support and friends support and lots of FaceTimes and all that sort of thing um kept me going but it's just it's just how things panned out unfortunately I mean I presume once you come back that's probably the longest you've gone with like playing basketball since you can probably remember how much did you miss or realise that you missed the game when you got to get back and even those little fun practices? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, even even if I hadn't been pregnant, obviously basketball had shut down anyway by March. So, um, But it does make you realise that how much you value being around a team environment and the practices and things that at the time you might grumble about. Um, and it, I, I really, really did miss it. Um and obviously didn't really have that much time to miss it. It was sort of March to September when I went back. So it wasn't a massively long period of time, but um, I definitely, you know, felt like I wanted to get back into that environment at some point. I just didn't have a goal of when that would be. Saying that, you actually timed it quite well. If you're going to miss it, you know, part of a season you might as well miss the season it doesn't happen well done I know I said that because actually when I finished playing in well it was Christmas really I played one game in January but um there, there was only six games or something after that when um because I think there was I don't know if there's a GB break or not there wasn't that many games that I missed and then obviously um it shut down anyway so I always say it was timed at the best possible time <laughs> I mean you've also got the day job which is an adult social care and yeah, if we look around the league this season, uh, possibly the early contender for MVP is Sue Leadham, Joe Leadham's mum. Absolutely. Who's travelling around almost everywhere selflessly to, to care for her granddaughter when, when, when Joe's playing. Yeah. You're obviously, you know, you're not travelling around Europe. That's a plus in a sense. But how are you finding that juggling act of day job, playing, training and parenthood? It's, it's a lot harder. I think, obviously, when I was just juggling the day job and playing, that was hard enough in its in itself because I do have a very, very full-on job. It's it's very busy. Um, you know, often there's crises where I have to stay late and there, there has been times where I've had to miss practice, not, not this year, um, but in the past. So that was hard enough in itself. And then now, obviously, adding a baby into that um, and being a single mum, that's, um, you know, made, made things harder. But I find ways to make it work my mom and my sister and um other family members really really help me out my mum's always at the game she brings Kalia with her or um she she looks after her for me so um I, it's just a case of really careful time management and planning and making sure that I've got all my babysitters set up and 
sometimes I have to take Talia with me to practice and we've got, um, you know, people around that are really, really great and will help out and look after her. So I'm really lucky in that respect. And how's her, and I mean this with the ball sense, how's her dribbling skills coming along? Um, she doesn't dribble just yet, um, but she does. She do, she's not interested in her small basketballs that we got for her. She wants the, the full-size one. <laughs> um, and I've got like a little, it's almost like a shelving unit in my living room, and I've got my three gold balls sort of lined up in there. Um, and she she has a preference for those ones, so she gets those out. And then we've got we've literally just got a basketball in every single room that just stays on the floor. <laughs> and she picks it up and she throws it to me, and she'll sort of pass it to me. So her passing skills are, are great so far, but no dribbling just yet. Start them early. That's what I say. Get them hooked yeah. early, and then you keep them. And um, I mean, you mentioned your mum, and you're I mean the family heirlooms in basketball are pretty significant with your your dad as well, because both of them back in the day were were professional players or, or players at, at Doncaster Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them played um for Doncaster Panthers in the Doncaster Panther heyday, if you like. Um both of them played for England. So I think it was inevitable that both me and my sister would play basketball. I think one of the I want to say my sister was only a couple of days old or a couple of weeks old. There's a picture of uh, my dad had just won some kind of trophy um, and it has, has got a picture in the newspaper with my sister and the trophy that she'd just been born. Um, so I'd, early, early memories, we were always at games and on the sidelines. I'm not sure if my dad had stopped playing by the time I was born, but certainly I remember going to games with my mum and what was really, really nice. And I, if I think back about it now, I smile because at the time I probably didn't appreciate it. But when my mum had finished playing National League, she coached both me and my sister um, and we also used to play, my mum used to carry on playing in um, local league. So when we were younger, me and my sister would both play in local league games with my mum, which was really cool. And I think obviously at the time I didn't appreciate it. But now when I look back on it, it's so funny because we used to be competing for like who could score the most. And if my mum won, like me and my sister would be fuming. Um, but just really, really nice memories um, with my mum and dad around basketball. And like when we all, because my mum and dad are separated now, they separated when I was 14. Um, but I remember our old house, we had like a weird setup outside where the kitchen wall and the garage wall were like opposite each other. So we had nets on both um, walls and then we had like patio in the middle and we made like a little basketball court. So we would always be outside like shooting or playing against each other, be like me and my dad against my mum and my sister or vice versa. Um, so we'd always be out there, especially in summer and just playing together all the time, which was really nice. I mean, as you said, you and Sarah were quite young when you're your dad stopped but have you have you got those trophies I mean, everything's on youtube now but have you guys been able to watch you know those grainy channel 4 bbc videos that lurk of that era of basketball i've seen a few yeah and i've seen um there was um, a video that circulated recently um but i think my dad must have been injured because he wasn't he wasn't kitted up and i was asking him about it um they they'd won a final and there was there was a grainy video making the the rounds and i think I can't remember if Ian Day was playing, who used to coach me, um, and a couple of other guys that my dad played with that I recognised. Um, but I've not seen one with my dad playing um, as of yet. So, and, but yeah. there is a legend that your dad played against Michael Jordan once. It is true, yes. Yeah. So Michael Jordan played uh, when he was at um, Carolina. Obviously, they did a, um, a tour around the UK, I think. Um, and obviously, he wasn't in the NBA by then but everybody was talking about this guy's going to be great and stuff like that so 
Um, I think he's got like some kind of uh, newspaper cutting of when they played against them. So, always if, a cool. If only he'd got the signed shoes. Imagine, oh, no. well, imagine the value of those. Well, if you're a basketball coach looking to develop your team or if you're a basketball player looking to improve your performance, you'll want to hear about this new AI multi-sports app called Team Sports. The app is free and as a player you can practice exercises and drills using only your phone without the need for additional equipment. You'll be able to visualise reps, sessions, speed and accuracy as well as challenging teammates. The app will store all of your progress in an organised way so you can showcase your performance and progress with your coach. Now, as a coach, you can easily manage your teams and players with Team Sports. Its intuitive dashboard hosts team rosters, organises exercises, plans, and analyses players' activity as well as their progress. Analytics will allow you to compare players' performance and see who is heading up the leaderboard. If you're interested in improving your game both on and off the court, then Team Sports is for you. Visit www.teamsports.pro, that's Team Sports with a Z, or download the app on your iPhone or Android. Our guest in this edition is Sheffield Huddersford Helen Naylor, and Hatter's back. Great to see. 60th anniversary season. We were worried it wasn't going to happen. It is happening. But, you know, go back to last year, and, you know, the club was obviously financial difficulties. COVID, even when COVID came in, you know, that just exacerbated it. What was it like being around it? Because you're in with the bricks there. You know, there was, there was this attempt to try and raise £60,000, which didn't come off in the end. But you know, what was the what was the feeling? What was the atmosphere like when, you know, this, the most successful club that we've ever had, men or women in this country, and there's this realisation that this could die here. Yeah, it was really, really sad. And I think... Um, Every not every season, but for the last couple of seasons, there's always been that sort of touch and go. Have we got money? Have we not got enough money? And um, for a couple of years, there has been talk of we're just not going to be able to pull this off. Um, and then last minute, we sort of always have. Um, Betty works tirelessly trying to find grants and uh, businesses that will give us money. And, you know, she's just constantly doing that, bless her. And um, so I think there was a little bit of, you know, oh, we'll find it. We'll still be okay. We'll still have a team. But then I remember, sort of, when I went went back to practice in September, um, it was sort of looking like a, a real realization this time that it, that it wasn't going to happen. Um, and Georgia had just come back from America, so there was me and Naomi that had been there for a long time, and it was just really, really sad and such a shame. And um, yeah, I think it's really hard to describe it, but um, you know, obviously. Betty has, has worked so hard for the club and she was just so sad that we couldn't put a team in but obviously it was it was the best thing to do at the time and regroup and obviously we've come back this year which is fantastic for the 60th anniversary year so we're really looking forward to continuing this season. What do you think it says about the state of the evolution of the game with you know certainly with WBBL but you know women's, women's basketball but even women's sport in general that you can have a club like this in a really big city that's been so successful but yeah the numbers don't stack up i know i I think it's really disappointing and you know how far um the wbbl has come but quite clearly there's there's um a long way to go in terms of that and i think 
the difficulty with with Sheffield is um, obviously we're a volunteer run club and we do fundraise and all that sort of stuff to raise money. We do have a couple of sponsors, um, but it's you know every single year um, we're trying to raise these funds to be able to compete, and it's um, it's really difficult. Um, but I think it's it's something that definitely is still an area that needs to improve. I think. Um, you know, we're trying to move towards a more professional league and having teams that just don't have the money to, to even enter is um, a bit of a sad state of affairs, really. Even with going to play in Manchester last season, I mean, was there was there always that sort of contact between you, know, you and Nessa and Georgia and Naomi and Abby Whitehouse, etc., that if things got sorted, the band would get back together? Um, yeah, I think, I think that was always a given. I don't think it was... Um, you know that that anybody would 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 stay somewhere else i think we always sort of said we'd be back as you know if if things got sorted out and obviously everybody sort of went to play their separate ways we all, all of us were going to play division 2 um but obviously covid put an end to that that league going ahead um so yeah it was we all kept in contact and um obviously Vanessa went to coach in austria and we would message sometimes and um you know just check in on how each other was doing and how each other's seasons were going and I know Naomi watched some of our games I used to watch Naomi and Abby's games I would tune into some of George's games so we were all still keeping in contact and obviously it's really great that we are able to be back together this year What do you think the club goes from this? Because you said it is kind of year to year which isn't really ideal I mean, is there something better that the club or, or basketball in this country or the WBBL that needs there needs to be an evolution or a change or a growth that you get something that's more sustainable and you know that, that i guess has a as an end point or a bigger end point in the future yeah i think i did um, a media interview i can't remember it was with one of the newspapers it was either at the beginning of this year or last year and i was saying you know obviously the focus was on making sure that we had a team for this 60th anniversary year but I was saying as well that that's great, but we do need something more sustainable. I don't think um, the club or anybody involved can keep going through this year in year out of trying to raise you know sixty thousand pounds or however much money it is that's that's needed. Um, you know, it's just it's just not doable every year to be in the same position. Um, so I think in terms of the club and the league, there, there needs to be something more sustainable and. You know, there's still lots of areas that um, the league can improve on, and it's it, it's it's started to happen since the WBBL was developed, and there is more social media and marketing and all that sort of stuff. But I still think there's there's a long way to go to to make sure the league is sustainable. Do you feel like my opinion on this has always been is that you look what netball have done, and much as we can love or hate netball, they've been very good at positioning themselves in the market and they've got a brand and they've got a const, constant message a consistent message do you think over the years I mean, you've been in this 20 years now i mean do you think that basketball's really missed a trick in not being out there front and center and saying hey you know, if you're a girl this is a game you want to play yeah i absolutely do because i think you know it's such an exciting game it's such an exciting sport um, you know, we've obviously got the grassroots numbers. It just it just doesn't quite translate into the the funding and the exposure at um, you know WBBL or you know even even other levels for for people playing abroad. You know, a lot of the younger players probably wouldn't know where people play abroad, and 
um, who they play for and in what league and things like that. So I, I do think we have missed a trick and, you know, netball have done it. So why can't basketball do it? You played, I mean, you started off at Doncaster with, with your parents and yeah, you played at and every England youth age group, you know, GB under 20, senior level as well. And, you know, you, you had that great experience going to the World University Games as well. But with some of your talent, why stay in this country? And why not, why not try your... I mean, you, you had that couple of brief stints in Australia and the QBL, but why not head overseas in search of fame and, well, fortune, maybe overcooking it, but, you know, a decent, a decent lifestyle, decent salary? Yeah. Um, I don't know. People ask me all the, about this all the time and about like why I didn't go to America. And um, I almost did. I looked into it. I had offers. Um, I, you know, I, I was dead certain that I was going to go and then changed my mind at the last minute. Um, education and like a career for me was important in terms of like a long, the long term goal of um, basketball obviously doesn't last forever. Um and so that was always an important thing for me and my family to make sure that I had a good education and um, had some kind of career path or plans. And there was a couple of times where um, I nearly went abroad, I nearly went to Hungary one year, I nearly went to Spain the other year. Um, but I don't know, I, I'm just a bit of a home person. And <laughs> um, I think that that is a big part of it. Um, I, and I think just, yeah, I don't know, I've, I just wanted to work and wanted to... Um, get on the career ladder and have that sort of side of my life as well as basketball um I'm not sure that like living abroad for however many months of the year and not seeing friends and family is really for me I probably could I probably could have and should have done it maybe um for a couple of years I'm not sure I would have wanted to do it for my whole career would you be sad if if I mean, obviously, this is a is a growth, and you know everyone would love the, the WBBL to be a pro league in the same way that the, the BBL is. Mm-hmm. But would you be sad in a sense if, if someone like you who wanted to have a career but also as a high skilled basketballer lost that opportunity because the game grew in a different way in this country? You know, you would do you think that yeah, there should be a place for for both kind of players? Not necessarily. I guess, you know, during my basketball career, that's never been an option in this country to be a full-time professional, get paid enough to, you know, not work and things like that. Um, If that was the direction that it went in, I think that would be great for the league and for basketball in this country. But obviously, people like myself that want to do both might have to make some more difficult decisions. It's something I have been able to do and stay and play here and work. Um, But... You know, if it did change, I mean, it's not going to change in my, in my the, the short term I've got left in my career. But um, you know, it it might be that you'd have to play at a lower level in Division One instead. Um, so it's sad in some respects, but in, in in terms of the game and the development for that, it would be fantastic. Um, your sister, elder sister Sarah, um, present almost throughout your career. Um, what's her influence been? Oh, it's been massive. I think um, we actually didn't get on when we were younger because I was so annoying um, and she was obviously four years older and I was just used to want to hang around with her and her friends at basketball and obviously she didn't want me to because it wasn't cool. Um, but she, I remember she sort of went off to university at Nottingham um, and she played for Nottingham for, I don't know, three or four years. So we never really played together other than at school for a year. 
Um, we never really played together at Doncaster Panthers, and maybe we did in her last year here, but because I was obviously four years younger, we didn't we didn't do that. So I remember when she came back from Nottingham University, it was the same time that I was moving to Leeds for university. And Doncaster, I think, had a Division One team, but they were dropping down to Division Two, and we were sort of saying, where are we going to play? And obviously Doncaster Panthers and Sheffield youth teams have this massive rivalry, and we were just like, it's just not an option. I'm just not going to Sheffield. And my mum was like, just ring Betty, talk to her, and you know, just see, just go to a practice and see how it is. You might like it. And me and my sister were like, no, we're not going to like it. We don't want to go there. Um, and then, so I made my sister call Betty. I think I didn't do it. <laughs> um, and she was obviously, yeah, come over to practice and, and we'd be happy to have you. And obviously the rest is history. But, um, you know, I just wanted to play with my sister at that point, And there was no sort of team in Leeds that I could play at um, in terms of that level. Um, but I'm so glad I did. Like we've, we've, since then so since I was 18 we've just developed such a strong bond and she's um you know such an amazing person and um she's been massively influential to me she's always been a massive support system and you know she was obviously so much more experienced than me when we went to Sheffield and I didn't play many minutes and I wasn't used to that because when I played for Doncaster you know I was the best player and England and stuff like that and then obviously I went to Sheffield and had to sit on the bench and that was really hard at that time so she sort of helped me through that and guided me through that so it's always been really important to me to play with her for as long as I can I still to this day try and get to come back to the WBBL team Um, she played our first two games of the season with us but she's playing in Division 2 now Um, and even sort of in between having children we've always managed to rope her back into coming and helping us out at WBBL so she's always around and um, we spend a lot of time together, so it's really nice. You had a small clutch of games together for GB back in, I think it was a 2008-2009 season when GB were in a, in a sort of relegation round. I mean, for the family, for you both to play in the same team as sisters as well, must be pretty special. Yeah, I think that was one of my, probably my most favourite basketball memory is playing alongside her for GB. Um, it, they were sort of home and away legs the game so our family could come and watch us um, my dad came my granddad came you know people that don't normally come and watch us play um, so it was just really lovely and it's something that I'll um, always cherish and remember for a long time I think I mean you had the, that sort of second stint in the team which was you know, qualifying for, for Eurobasket 2017 which GB didn't get to the finals I mean is having won all these domestic prizes etc and international caps I mean is that possibly the one lingering regret is not getting that major tournament final appearance yeah probably I think um I went back into the team in I want to say 2015 when Peter mm. Buck well I was obviously around when Tom Tom was there we went to the world student games and then sort of went back into the team when when Peter Buckle um was coaching um but yeah I think um that probably is something where um I feel like I could have made the team um, a couple of the years, but didn't. And, you know, that was the the direction that, that coaches decided to go in. And then obviously I played in um, a couple, uh, I think it was 2016, a couple of the, um, like you say, the, the games to qualify for Eurobasket. Um, so that was nice. Um, and then I had knee surgery in 2016 and sort of never, never went back to, to GB after that. We mentioned all the prizes there. Um the shot everyone will always remember you for the 2019 <laughs> cup final that game winning three-pointer against seven oaks when yeah 
we all thought, right, you know, this is over. And then suddenly you pop up, hey, into there, in it goes, game over, card go wild, team go wild. Is is that the standout game for you, or is there another trophy or or, or game that stands out? Um, no, I think I think that was my favourite. Just just the the way that we won, and obviously the shot that that we won it with was just um, you know we still we still watch it and we still laugh about it now, and um, it's definitely one of the standout standout games um, the- that I remember. Long what, time. What's the best team though? Because I mean, Hatters have had so many great players, and you know that have come and gone. Um, yeah. And winning cups and going back, you know, pre pre WBBL as well. Can you? Mm-hmm. What do you feel is the best squad that you've played on? Um, I. It's funny actually that you asked this because we've been talking about this a lot recently because um the team that I'm going to talk about now we've all just joined GB Masters, uh, Mac, GB <laughs> Maxi Ballers. Um, so we're all back playing together for that, which is um, really, really good. Um, but by far, my favourite um, group of players that I've played for at Sheffield was, you know, me, my sister, uh, Lisa Hutchinson, Katie Crowley, Stephanie Gandhi. Um, so Naomi was there, but she was she was quite young. Um, and 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 I don't remember over those sort of. Well, obviously we played together for a long, long time. Um, I, I want to say ten plus years. Um, I don't remember what Americans came in and went out. I mean, obviously Steph's American, but I class her as <laughs> British uh, now. Um, but just that core group of players, and I think that is why we were so successful for such a long period of time. Um, I think just we were just talking about it the other day, just like the level of basketball IQ that that core group of players had and have is something that I just haven't found since in a in a full sort of squad or a starting five or whatever it's something that is um you know really that I really value of, of playing with people with that level of basketball IQ and yeah I think that's definitely my favorite not favorite basketball memories at Sheffield because it, it you know there's been other memories since and like you say the cup final and things like that but my favorite squad to play with definitely no you Sarah Steph Lisa your sister and Kate you know, all, okay, all rocking up with kids yeah oh yeah absolutely I went to so my sister Steph Lisa Katie they're all playing in division two this year because we have a European tournament coming up uh, European championships in June at Malaga for GB Maxiball um so they decided obviously they needed to be playing this year and I was <laughs> like oh I'm gonna go come and play with you and Vanessa was like no you're not you're playing WBBL I was like oh, okay um, so it, yeah, it's really nice. And I, I go to some of their games when I can. I went on Sunday, and there's just the sideline is just full of all of our kids. Um, we went to Steph's wedding in the summer, and we had um, the photographer take a picture of all the sort of Hatters kids. So there was like my sister's kids, Katie's kids, Lisa's kids, Georgia, Tyler, Quinn. Um, there's, there's just so many of them. They could they definitely could start their own team at some point. I mean the maxi maxi ball experience and the sort of masters. You know it's been reinvented, but it's it's got such a great response amongst every player that I've talked to that's either gone to a camp or you know that's it's made a team. I mean, does this feel like something you know that for you know ten, fifteen, twenty years now that you can still find a way to enjoy basketball even if you know you're not maybe playing at a club level at the same level that you've played at before. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's great, and it's great. It's a great initiative, and I've been talking to other players that aren't playing at the minute that are sort of coming up to the right age because I'm not quite the right age yet. But by the time the tournament comes next year, I will be. 
Um, so I've I've been on you know my recruitment drive to try and get um, players back playing for um, you know either players that aren't playing or players that are still playing that um, that could be eligible to play. But it's it's so much fun. It's great, and it, it's really good to have that um, sort of level of competition, which I hear is is quite good. Um, you know, at, at the Europeans, and there's a World Championships as well the year after in Orlando. Um, so we're all really looking forward to it. I think it's um, it's something that's going to be be really good. It's nothing like two weeks in Orlando as an incentive to keep playing, isn't it? I know, I know. It's it's actually quite difficult, obviously, still because I think I'm the only player that's still playing in the you know like at the WBBL level. I think everybody else is playing Division One or Division Two or not playing at all or local league. Um, so it's quite hard fitting in the weekends because we train for like double weekends obviously throughout the season and on top of the stuff that I'm already doing but um I try and obviously make it work where I can and it's um it's been great so far yeah I really enjoyed it it's been a solid start of the season for the Hatters um obviously London looked really good Seven Oaks always looked really good um mm-hmm. you guys must be pretty pleased you know you're you look a very solid top three top four team coming back together again yeah definitely I think um we weren't really sure what to expect this season with um, you know, teams have been making a lot of changes, coaching changes, player changes. Um, obviously, people have moved around. Um, so I think when we had those first games, um, we thought, oh, this, you know, we're, we're looking really good. We sort of won them by like 40 points. Um, and then sort of as, as time's gone on and our Americans have come in and we've started to gel, I think um, we're looking like we will, we will be sort of top four somewhere. So... Um, we're really pleased with that because I think that was, you know, we didn't want to come back and just be in the league for the sake of it. We wanted to come back and build a competitive team and, you know, compete for um, silverware. So um, I think that's where we're, we're aiming to be. You say after pregnancy, you're not quite back at that, that same level. And I wonder, how do you, how have you kind of adjusted the expectations or do you not think about it? Or you know, how do you, how do you avoid kind of comparing the Helen Eller of that cup final to the Helen Eller of now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an interesting one because I think last year, like, it did bother me a lot. I was still sort of, um, you know, and I was different last year to what I am now, but I was still sort of trying to um, find sort of my way of playing. I've sort of moved to the four spot now because um, I'm definitely a bit slower and, um, you know, um, defensively as well as offensively so I've kind of moved positions a little bit but I think um, it's it's taken a bit of adjustment and um, I just sort of don't put the same amount of pressure on myself that I used to um, I have found it's it's been helpful sort of being back at Sheffield and knowing my role and you know I just feel like I'm I'm so comfortable there and um, comfortable around the coaches and the players and you know it's where I've played for a long time so it was really different going somewhere last year and um, playing with a different group of players and different coaches and you know obviously on top of that coming back from having a baby it was it was a bit of a difficult transition year but um, yeah I think I just have adjusted I don't put a lot of pressure on myself and I'm just playing to um, enjoy and, and try and win and whatever I can do to help the team even if that's not what I used to do um, then I will obviously try and do that so I've, I've got a bit of a different role now but um, still an important one and still still enjoying trying to challenge myself and <laughs> get fitter as I go. But I guess you would like that photo of you with the trophy and the daughter in each arm just for the family album. I mean, it would be really nice. Um, 
I mean, we've got to uh, obviously try and get past London Lions, which is a a big task in the, the semi-final to get to the cup final. So, um, but yeah, that would be that would be lovely. Well, I'm sure it's happening. It, 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 the possibility is there, and you you versus Leedham, Super Mum against Super Mum. Who who doesn't want to see that? <laughs> I know. I have seen that uh, Joe's moved to the four a little bit. I'm like, I'm going to need you to move back to the three a little bit, Joe. But. <laughs> Well, we can't wait to see that one. Um, Helen, it's been a delight talking as always. Um, good luck this season. Nice to have back. Good luck with challenges of parenting. Um, but thank you so much for joining us on the MVP cast. Thank you. That is it from this edition. Sponsored by Team Sports. Visit teamsports.pro or download the app today. Don't forget, of course, to check out our recent conversations, including Kimball McKenzie and Boban Jack Dunley on the podcast. Subscribe via your preferred provider or stream via our website at mvp247.com, where you can also sign up for the post-up MVP's regular newsletter with exclusive features and insights. And if you want to reach me, find me on Twitter at Mark Purple. Another edition of the MVP cast coming very soon. But for me, Mark Woods, thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you again. Mm-hmm.